Whenever there's a big fight that very clearly goes one way, the idea of a rematch is a very hard sell. And that's largely because fans assume they know exactly what will happen if the two fighters are to compete again. When the outcome was so clear and so obvious after the fact in the eyes of so many, there's just no way the second fight would be any different. Well, today we're here as a reminder that once we think we know everything about this sport, it throws us fights like the 10 on our list today to remind us that we don't know Jack. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are 10 big rematches that were nothing like the first fight. Number 10. Shamrock Severn Two. Back before the UFC had official weight classes and titles for each, there was the Superfight Championship, which was essentially the promotion's way of ensuring that their show would end with two big stars fighting, versus the possibility that the tournament final turns out to be a dud. Their first attempt at crowning a Superfight champ saw Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracie go to a draw since there weren't any judges, oops. On that same night, though, standout wrestler Dan Severn won the event tournament, and so he would be asked at UFC 6 to fight Shamrock for that still vacant Superfight belt. Despite many assuming Ken would struggle with the much larger grappler, Shamrock was able to shut down Severn's early takedown attempts and score a guillotine choke about two minutes into the fight. Kenny would continue on with the Super Fight title, and with Dan rebounding by winning Ultimate Ultimate 1996, the legends were paired up yet again for a rematch at UFC 9. While it looked like Shamrock had the Beast's number in their first showing, neither fighter could have predicted that on the night of their rematch, they'd be told the penalty for closed fist blows or headbutts would be going to jail. Yes, hours before the card, the Michigan State government required these new stipulations for the event to even be held. As a result, the rematch would be one of the worst fights of all time, with both fighters basically just circling for its entirety until very near the end where Severn would break the new rules and earn a split decision victory. Weird night, weird fight, and certainly not like their first encounter. Number 9. Aldo Mendez 2 What really can be said negatively about Jose Aldo's performance in his first featherweight title defense against Chad Mendez at UFC 142, besides the cage grab he got away with, of course, he was pretty much flawless. The unbeaten Mendez was 0 for 7 on his takedown attempts, one thwarted by the aforementioned cage grab tomfoolery, but otherwise it took only four leg kicks, one body shot, six to the head, including the knee that dropped him, and four minutes, 59 seconds to put away Team Alpha Male's most dominant featherweight. Afterwards, Jose would go on to defend his title three more times, while Chad rattled off three straight first-round KOTKOs, followed by a knockout of the night against Clay Guida and a dominant decision over Nick Lentz. Heading into the rematch, fans wondered, could we have a GSP Matt Hughes scenario here? Was Mendez just too green for their first fight? And with his improved stand-up, would he be too much for Aldo, who was now getting regularly criticized for being too safe? There was far more hype for their second encounter, but of course the champion was still favored for victory. When Aldo scored a knockdown late in the first, it looked like we were in for more of the same, but Mendez would survive that and a huge shot after the bell that nearly put him out. The fight was awesome. Chad had gone for seven takedowns in the first round of their bout at 142. This time he would only have eight total, and his improved striking and defense led to a competitive back and forth for 25 minutes that would ultimately be fight of the year. Aldo would win 49-46 across the board, but those scores really don't show just how incredible the fight was all around, a far cry from the first time they met. Number 8. Woodley Thompson 2 If I told you to look at the stat sheets for the two welterweight title fights between Tyron Woodley and Steven Thompson that took place back-to-back -back at UFC 205 and 209, and then asked you to tell me based on those numbers alone which fight you thought was more entertaining, you probably wouldn't be able to make heads or tails of it. On paper, they look just about the same, nearly the same significant strikes, a single takedown in both bouts, a single knockdown. In fact, if anything, you might have looked at the control time, and seeing as it was a bit longer in the first fight, concluded that it was maybe the less exciting one. But guess what? You're completely wrong, which just goes to show that the stats can only tell us so much, which is why we dive deeper on the autopsy, but I digress. Yes, the first Woodley Thompson encounter at 205 was an instant classic, a fight of the night on a night that was absolutely incredible. It was back and forth, very competitive, both fighters getting into serious trouble and 
managing to recover, the final result a majority decision. So of course we had to run it back, right? Who wouldn't want that fight again? Well, we certainly didn't get what we were hoping for. The rematch at 209 is one of the most boring title fights ever. The damage and close calls that happened in their first bout led both champ and challenger to adopt far more conservative strategies that resulted in, well, a whole lot of nothing besides a late scare for Wonder Boy. In the end, it would be the same outcome, a majority decision with T-Wood retaining, but these fights were vastly different in quality. Number 7. Usman Masvidal 2 It was the marquee matchup on the massive Fight Island card that was UFC 251. 2019's biggest star Jorge Masvidal was getting his welterweight title shot against Kamaru Usman. Everybody wanted to know if Street Jesus could keep his incredible run alive. The hype was massive, the card sold crazy as a result, but in the end, Usman did what many of us expected. He completely controlled the fight for pretty much its entirety. Nearly 17 minutes control time, 5 takedowns on 16 attempts, clinch work for days, he would throw 341 total strikes. A single judge gave Gamebred a single round, but that was it. Total domination by the champion. But Masvidal took that fight on very short notice, filling in for Gilbert Burns, and so with that seed of doubt and still riding a wave of popularity, Jorge was given a second chance at 261. Although having seen their first go, most of us assumed that the champ was going to do exactly what he did the first time. Control, control, control. He likely wouldn't get a finish, but he would completely negate Jorge's stand-up advantage. Man, were we wrong in this one. This wasn't a control game this time. Usman was both willing and able to engage Gamebred on the feet, earning a devastating KO victory in the second round, proving his power, something that many had questioned. In a fight most expected him to win, Kamaru still found a way to impress the hell out of everybody by throwing hands and proving he's not just a wrestler. Number 6. Sterling Yan 2 Alright, time for the most recently controversial fight on our list. In March of 2021 at UFC 259, Aljamain Sterling challenged Pyotr Yan for the bantamweight title at the Apex Center. By late in the fourth, it was becoming pretty clear that Aljo was going to need some kind of finish to get the win, and it was looking more and more like that wasn't going to be a possibility. He was knocked down in the first, and while he rallied some in the second, as the fight went on, Yan's 7-for-7 seven seven takedowns and 86 significant strikes were taking a toll. That was until an illegal knee at 429 of the fourth would result in a DQ title change, the first ever in UFC history, with many a fan feeling that Sterling milked the injury to steal the title. And so going into their rematch at UFC 273, fans were pretty confident that Aljo was going to get absolutely steamrolled given how one-sided the first fight was. But you know the list you're watching, and that's not how it went down. After a close first, Aljo would score key takedowns in the second and third to rack up some serious control time. And while Jan would surge back in the championship rounds, it simply wasn't enough to negate the two he clearly lost and the opener that two of three judges gave to the Funkmaster, shocking and angering the fans who were so pissed off about the first fight. But hey, close fights on the cards can go either way. The one thing that's certain, though, is that this didn't play out how most of us saw it the second time around. Number 5. Edgar Penn 2 I remember not realizing that the results would be on ESPN before I saw UFC 112 because it was in Abu Dhabi, and when it came up on the ticker that BJ Penn had lost the lightweight title to Frankie Edgar, I was like, nah, no way, that's gotta be some kind of mistake. Penn was a near 8-1 favorite. There was no chance in hell that this Frankie Edgar guy would have beat him, but the fight was far more competitive for 25 minutes than anybody could have predicted. That said, so many were still stunned by the decision, with only MMA Junkie giving it to the answer. Eight other prominent media members had the fight for Penn. The judges themselves were all over the place too, with one giving Frankie all five, the next four, and the final judge three. They all agreed that he won, but their scores were a mess. It was a close fight, and the outcry of robbery I think had more to do with Penn's legendary status than anything. The consensus was that Edgar fought a once-in-a-lifetime fight, and that BJ just wasn't on his A-game that day. Going into the rematch, Penn was now just a near 4-1 to favorite, so a little bit of respect had been put on Edgar's name, but the rest of it would come once UFC 118 concluded. A clean sweep for the underappreciated champion. 50-45s across the board, 
every outlet gave it to Frankie, Edgar would dominate, outstriking Baby J 142 to 56. He scored three takedowns, had more than three times as much control time. It was validation for Frankie Edgar after so many saw his initial victory as a fluke and bad judging. There was no doubt after the rematch, though. Number four, Cormier Miacic 2. At the conclusion of their first fight at UFC 226, everybody was just about ready to write off Stipe Miacic, something that happens a lot in his career, actually, especially regarding any fights with the newly crowned heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier. Seen by many as the second-best fighter in the sport behind Jon Jones, when DC moved back up to heavyweight and put Stipe's lights out in the first round, so many conclusions were drawn. At heavyweight, DC was just too strong. He had too much power now. He was too smart. He could hurt Miacic standing. He could take him down, even though he didn't even try in the first fight. That didn't matter. Four minutes, 33 seconds was all that was needed to conclude that in their rematch at UFC 241, of course Cormier was going to do it again. And for the better part of three rounds, it certainly looked like the outcome was going to be the same. Although everyone who had written off Stipe's ability to take DC's shots were already surprised, as the champ unloaded, landing 181 significant strikes in total, which stands as the heavyweight record to this day. But the shots couldn't put him down, and late in the third, Miacic began finding success with body blows. In the fourth, he would lean heavily into them, eventually breaking Cormier, scoring a knockdown, and getting the TKO finish with less than a minute left in the round. It's the second biggest strike differential overcome in heavyweight history, and it certainly didn't go down like their first encounter as nearly everyone had expected. The trilogy fight saw yet another wrinkle as Stipe would largely succeed as a result of his control time against the cage, earning a UD win. You just never know with them Cleveland boys. Number 3. Lawler McDonald 2 Simply for the fact that nobody could have predicted given the first fight that the rematch would be one of the greatest bouts in the history of the sport, this one belongs on the list. But there's much more to it than just that. Roy McDonald and Robbie Lawler first met on the undercard of UFC 167. Lawler had earlier in the year returned to the UFC after nearly a decade away, bumping back down to welterweight and scoring KOTKO wins over Josh Koscheck and Bobby Volker. This set up an unlikely title eliminator against the up-and-coming McDonald. Rory closed as a 4-1 favorite off the back of a six-fight win streak in the promotion, with victories over guys like Nate Diaz, BJ Penn, and Jake Ellenberger. After a close first round on the feet, McDonald was able to get a clear win in the second with a takedown and control time for about half the round. Despite three more takedowns in the third, Lawler was able to get back to his feet repeatedly and score a knockdown, giving him the final five. While the judges couldn't agree on the first, Ruthless got a split decision, and it was okay. It wasn't the best fight on the card even, but it wasn't horrible. People were still high on Rory if the rematch were to take place, just not at 4-1. to one. Of course, we all know what happened next. Robbie would win the welterweight title four fights later, setting up the rematch at UFC 189, and while grappling heavy in their first fight, McDonald completely missed with all of his takedown attempts this time, earning just two seconds of control in total, and so was forced to strike with Lawler from bell to bell, which would break him by the fifth round in one of the greatest matches the sport has ever seen. Number 2. Griffin Bonner 2 You know when you find out that one of your favorite movies had like a direct-to-DVD sequel, and you watch it because it's a sequel to something that you really loved, but no matter how much leeway you give it, The Lion King 2 Simba's Pride just doesn't stack up to the first film. And that was the case with Forrest Griffin vs. Stefan Bonner 2 at UFC 62. Their first fight, I mean, come on, it was truly catching lightning in a bottle. Everything about the moment was just perfect, and the fight would deliver in ways that could only happen on that tough one finale. It was a moment that got a lot of fans into MMA, with the movie-like back-and-forth blood-and-guts quality of those three rounds being the biggest reason why. So of course those fans would have the expectation that the second go-round would be of similar quality, the type of fight that reaffirms why you love the sport so much. But a year and a half after the two first met, it seemed they were miles apart. Griffin had changed camps and was now training in Las Vegas. He'd grown exponentially since the tough finale, and Bonner had not. As a result, Forrest would control the fight from the outside nearly all 15 minutes. He was so much sharper with his striking. There was no sloppy brawling. It was a measured and impressive 
impressive performance. All three judges would give it to Griffin 3027, even if you could argue that maybe the second should have gone to Bonner. But it didn't matter because the first fight this was not, not even close. And despite his popularity at the time, Forrest was only met with a chorus of boos for his post-fight interview. And while he assumed it had something to do with the judging, I think it was because those fans thought they were going to see a once-in-a-lifetime fight again, and what they got instead was very run-of-the-mill. Number 1. Bisbean Rockhold 2 Oh, what a tale of two fights. It really just goes to show you how completely unpredictable this sport can be at times. Michael Bisbean and Luke Rockhold met at Fight Night Sydney back in November of 2014. By the way, if you're ever bored, that card is a banger. Every single fight saw a finish, including the main event showdown in question. The count had been hit and miss against other top middleweights, and Luke Rockhold was seen as a future champion and a massive favorite, with most expecting the bout to end in the first. It didn't, but Rockhold was more than happy to just wait for his openings, and he was never in any danger. A head kick early in the second set up a choke on the ground and a win that everybody expected. The chances of the two ever meeting again seemed pretty slim, but when the stars aligned for UFC 199 as a result of an incredible late career run by Bisping and a short-notice call-up to fight now champion Luke, everybody assumed we'd just get a replay of Sydney. Rockhold must have thought the same thing because he wasn't showing Mike striking much respect early on, and he would pay dearly for it. Left hook Larry twice dropped the champ and put him away in one of the biggest and most shocking upset wins in the sport's history. A loss so devastating, Rockhold really never recovered from it. And a win so unthinkable, it turned Bisbean into an instant legend. What a story, Mark. I'm Bailey from Emerald Point, and yes, we are finally here in our brand new office. Let's go check it out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to our MMA Challenge of the Week. Today, I'm joined by the greatest referee in the world, Mr. Mark Goddard. Would, I would punch him straight in the back of the fucking head. That's right, a brand new channel with brand new content. Welcome to Fight Front, the home of personality-driven MMA. Today, it's an MMA challenge where I take the worst-rated UFC character in UFC Undisputed 3 all the way to the heavyweight championship of the world. And I'm reacting to Colin McGregor. Make sure you scroll on down and hit subscribe because you do not want to miss all the new content coming your way on this brand new channel. And hey, it's me, Tommy Toehold, and I'm rolling around on a damn monitor. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day. Oh,